Hi everyone, welcome to How Can I Heal podcast with Krina Okumus. This is an interview series with people that I admire and really made a change in my life. We are exploring questions about life, dreams, how can I be more happy and healthy and learn how can we deal with pressure or challenges in the private or professional life. I really hope you take a nuggets of wisdom or two and you are improving your own life for the better. I'm super happy to let you know that on today's podcast, I'm speaking with a really special person for me, Lizzie Azolino. She's the founder of Until Now. She believes that the days of traditional linear career path are behind us and instead champions careers that mender and evolves as we change as people. To that end, her degree in journalism has served as a foundation for a career that has spent public relation, brand strategy, design and innovation consulting, leadership development and coaching. Lizzie pulls from a broad toolbox to approach each project from a fresh perspective. She believes stories are the most powerful tool for unlocking change, inspiring new possibilities and creating shared understanding. There's this island where it's all going to work out. We're like we're thinking, well, you know, when when I get this promotion, then I'll be happy. Or when I, you know, when I buy the house, then I'll be happy. Or, or when I sell my company and I, that then I'll be happy. There there's no there's no island where everything like there's there's no there's no island in the sun where everything works out. Um, and when we live our lives thinking about the the whens and the what ifs and the future then we can't actually be kind of present in the moment which is what life is and now let's get to my conversation with lizzie azolino hello lizzie thank you so much for joining me today hi karina i'm so happy to be here so Lizzie, I found one one of my favorite sentences that Oprah mentioned, Oprah Winfrey, have the courage to follow your passion. And if you don't know what it is, realize that one reason for your existence on earth is to find it. My first question to you is, did you find yours? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I am still on that journey. And... I think if I've learned anything over the last lifetime of mine, um, and hopefully I have another life to go, uh, is that we are always discovering our purpose uh, if we if we truly let ourselves um, go down a path of exploration. How did exploration started for you? When was that moment when you start to to look for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'll say that I had a, a very non-traditional sort of career uh, journey, and I'm one of those people who believes the days of traditional linear career paths are behind us, and we should let ourselves meander and go off course. And it's the those meanders that are often the most fruitful. Um, and, and we often feel lost at, during those points, but really it's all, all meant to be. Um, I can say that, that for me, 
uh, journalism and storytelling have really been the through thread of my career. And I started my career in advertising in Atlanta, Georgia, and very quickly, um, by the time I was in my late 20s, I found myself running strategy teams at, at the biggest advertising agencies in, in Atlanta and realizing very quickly that I had peaked in my Atlanta career and I needed to set my sights on um, someplace else and something else to continue to learn and, and grow. Um, and if I'm being honest, I was also driven by by the the want for myself to really build a life for myself outside of my family. I um, grew up in an alcoholic household and without realizing it at the time, I was in a codependent relationship with, with my mom. And I thought for so many years that my purpose on earth um, you know, t- talk about um, finding my purpose. I did think my purpose on earth was to help my mom get better and to fix her. But it took me, you know, about 30 years to realize that that, that just wasn't going to happen. And so the best thing that I could do for myself was to, was to detach essentially with love and move across the country. I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to San Francisco, and I had never been to San Francisco before, but I just had this vision of what San Francisco was in my mind that that held up to be quite true and kind of made my way across the country, landed in San Francisco and immediately felt at home. There's something about Karina, you and I met in San Francisco and there's something about um, this city that just feels, it's, it's like almost two, two extremes. One is it's just like intimate and cozy and you walk everywhere and the bay is beautiful and the air is fresh. And then there's this like tech startup scene where people are building things and, you know, they're, they're thinking about our future. And it's just this like really interesting dynamic city in, in that way. And when I landed here, of course, I, I landed right back in advertising, which was a little bit crazy. Um, within six months, I remember thinking I'm crazy to be working in advertising in this city where uh, in the tech industry (laughs) yes yes we're like design and innovation or I I just feel like they're in the water here and I drank the water and I I decided (laughs) I I had to I had to had to get more of that water so uh, I made a transition and I I started working in design and innovation and I worked at a um, a really well-regarded design studio owned by a, a wonderful industrial designer, Eve Bahar. And we really did two things. We launched startups from the ground up, which was really exciting and new territory for me. And then we worked with Fortune 100 and 500 companies to think about the future of their business and de- design innovation roadmaps. And, you know, I had been a a strategist, a brand strategist, a digital strategist, kind of throughout the course of my career. And now I was learning, well, I can be a business strategist. I can be a product strategist. I have built this really broad strategic toolbox and I can apply it to, to anything. Um, once you really have that, 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 that skill set, you can, you can apply it to really any problem. And 
At Fuse Project, is it like one project that if you remember, and obviously you can share with us one of one of the company that you really enjoy um, working for? Because most of the most of the projects that uh, they are in, in their portfolio, it's impressive. It's the sure. agency to work for in San Francisco or one of the agency to work in San Francisco or in the mm-hmm. world. In the world, I, I like that. Yeah, and I, I felt, um, I, I will say that going into work, just everyone, it, I mean, just the, the, the most talented uh, team team ever and um, really walking into the building every morning. I mean, it's like a studio of projects. It's just, it's so, it's so exciting. Um, so, so one project that, that really stands out to me, I just, I have a, a real passion for the beauty space. Um, one of our clients was the head of global innovation for L'Oreal. So L'Oreal globally and all of its portfolio of brands. And we had the really hard job of partnering with um, Give, our client, to really imagine what could the future of skincare be? What could the future of makeup application be? Um, what could the that. future of sun care be? And many of the projects still have not launched yet, um, but one that did was um, we were really challenged to think about how do we encourage um, the L'Oreal consumer to um, to apply sunscreen more often and to, to actually care for their their skin and, and protect themselves from the sun. And we ended up making that process really beautiful by designing a little piece of what looked like custom nail art. And it was actually a UV sensor. So one of the smallest UV sensors possible that um, was connected to an app on your phone and would essentially measure UVA, UVB rays and tell you when to reapply your, your sunscreen. Wow. But of course, that's, it was this beautiful. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, it's it's the, at the end of the day, we know, we don't know so many information about this topic. You know, you just apply once per day, but you don't know that actually depending of uh, how is the, the cream um, pH, no, how you call it, the SPF, SPF. Um, yes. You don't know when you should reapply. I mean, there are so many. And anyway, I'm sure that uh, it sounds, sounds sounds really amazing. Love it. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that um, our projects were, you know, that was a fun project. And then there were deeply meaningful projects. We did a lot of social impact work um, and, you know, worked on an accelerator for uh, women and girls in East Africa. Just really incredible, incredible work. And, you know, it, it was there that, um, as I mentioned, I realized I built this really broad strategic toolbox and I started to question like, okay, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a great, I'm a a great strategist. I love being creative. I love being strategic, but is this it? Like, is, is this, is this, what there is um and i remember we had coffees together this was a how long was this process for you because i remember we had coffees together and you share you share this uh, situation that you didn't know where to go and what's next um and it was quite a long process it it was it was you know i'll i'll say that um that really upon moving to san francisco this upon moving to san francisco which was now 7 years ago 
um, there was something in me that that was on a mission to find out what I'm meant to do. Um, but I was scared. I, you know, so I, I kind of fell back into the things that I knew how to do and the things that I thought the world kind of expected of me. So, you know, working at the at this great studio, becoming, you know, co-leader of the strategy team. I was like very just driven by by things that I think a lot of us are driven by, which is, you know, title and labels and, and things like that. And then I had a, a moment that that really changed um, everything for me or, or and I've had other moments since then. But I would say the first moment was I was in I was in a, in a um, presentation actually with um, with the L'Oreal client I was just speaking of, and my phone was ringing off the hook um, in in my um, on my lap as I was sitting in this meeting. And finally, you know, after five or six times, I just excused myself and I I got up and I answered the phone and it was a doctor. And um, I remember him saying, Lizzie. Um, we have your mom, Kathy, here with us in the hospital, and we don't expect she's going to make it through the night. So you need to get on a plane oh, immediately. I didn't know this part. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so my, you know, my heart sunk to my stomach and I got on a plane and I remember that plane ride um, so well because it was like the first moment in my life that I actually felt awake. Like I was so present in this very moment. I was so aware of how I was feeling and what was happening. And all I could think about because I was so scared about what could happen in the future. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that I lived most of my life in the future thinking ahead. And in this moment, I didn't want to think about the future. And so I was just very present with myself in that moment and i remember committing to myself in that moment to really live more of life more of life like this and i i of course ended up you know showing up to the hospital and um, my mom was experiencing liver and kidney failure from years of alcoholism and it it was a, a bit of a a miracle and and honestly not the best thing for a, a previously codependent daughter to hear but when i when i showed up the doctor actually told me that she pulled through it was a miracle she saw me and i'm what i'm what um, made her essentially pull through and um she's she's alive today my mom and i don't have have a, a very close relationship but i did stay um, at home with her for a couple of months and help her recover. And I will say as she was recovering um, and healing, I was also healing. Um, I was, it was like I was reawakening um, myself to this new life um, without even really realizing it. And kind of wide awake, I, you know, came back to San Francisco and I remember thinking, um, I, you know, we spend so much of our lives at work. How can I commit myself to helping people be, be happy at work, be themselves at work? I've worked in these, you know, creative, strategic, amazing 
um, environments throughout my whole life, but we so rarely think about how we work together. We're thinking about the work itself. And so I started to think about what it might look for me to shift my career in that direction. So more towards people and away from products and businesses. And one of the first things that I did, Karina, I'm sure you remember, is I enrolled in a year-long coaching certification program. Mm -hmm. And I remember showing up to the first day of this uh, coaching certification program with my laptop and my notebook. And I was sitting at the front of the table as I always would, like straight A student. Um, and I, I was like, I'm going to learn to be a coach and <laughs> was ready to take notes. And literally within 10 minutes, my, my last name starts with an A. And so I'm always the person who's invited to talk first. And they ask us to, to just answer these incredibly deep questions that I had never considered. My laptop's closed. I have a tissue box out and I just found myself, um, like weeping the entire time, but loving every moment of it. So I went on this year long journey. Um, and upon graduation, I didn't necessarily graduate thinking, okay, I'm going to be a coach. Now I graduated thinking, wow, I have such a new sense of self. Um, I felt this amazing sense of freedom and possibility and almost like childlike energy. It was almost as if, um, I always say this to people, I feel like at some point in my 20s, I aged to be about 85 years old. And then, you know, by the time I was, I was in my 30s, I have been aging backwards. Um, so I felt like I was starting to age backwards. And um, it was, it was at that moment that I decided um, I, there is no way I can figure out what's next for me um, in my career or in my life in this job, which is a great job, the job at Fuse Project. I need to give myself permission to explore. I have worked, you know, 10 plus years nonstop, um, including college, probably, you know, 15, 16 years nonstop. Take this year, give yourself permission to literally experiment meet as many people as possible. Don't worry about making money. Um, and I felt very fortunate that I could say that, but, but like I said, I had just worked nonstop for so long. Um, and, and just see what happens. Let the, let, you know, be in this present moment and let the future come to you in each moment and, and meet it with curiosity and meet it with openness. And so, I did just that. Um, I I left my job. How was how was that moment, Lizzie? On yeah. that day, because you were working for Fuse Project for many years. How yeah. was that moment when you just had to let people know that you are done and you are ready for next chapter in your life? How did you feel? It, I felt, I felt, for the first time in my life, I felt like I'm myself. Like I, the, the, what I would describe, what something I started to notice was that my, when I was enthusiastic and open and curious and like a little bit scared and anxious and honest and vulnerable with people about, I'm going to do this experiment. I have no idea if it's going to work, but I know this is the right thing for me. People met me with this sense I, I was 
I felt so deeply connected to every person that I shared this with in a way that I had never before because I had never let myself be vulnerable in front of other people ever. Um, and people would would meet me. I remain, I remember my boss who I, who I worked with for six years. Um, he just looked at me and he said, you are so happy. I am so excited for you. I've never seen you with this type of energy. Um, you know, people, people at work whom, you know, we'd had, you know, t- kind of tense relationships with because we were working so hard together. They just all knew that this was, this was meant to be for me. So, um, and I will say that also everyone was a little bit jealous because they were, <laughs> yeah. all, they, were all, they were all thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I need to be doing this. And I will say that um, without meaning to over the course of, you know, that was five years ago now, um, over the course of the last five years, I, I do share my story with a lot of people and I'll say every like one in four end up leaving their jobs, which is not my <laughs> intention, but, um, I highly encourage it. So it was a, it was a freeing moment. I felt light as air. I felt, um, I felt really proud of myself, I think for the first time in my life. I love that. Um, so, so I left, uh, I left Fuse Project and I, you know, started meeting as many people as possible and taking on just a range of types of projects. And I, I will say, Karina, um, that one of the biggest challenges that I ran into, because I was doing everything from coaching to culture consult. As I mentioned, I wanted to focus on, you know, helping people in the workplace and helping improve the ways that we were working together. So I did everything from coaching to executive recruiting for design and innovation to culture design to leadership development. I mean, I was just doing this range of work. So, so here I am, I'm doing so many different types of things. I'm working for myself. My business doesn't yet have a name. And before that I was a, you know, senior strategy lead at Fuse Project. Like it was this very clear, prestigious label. And I didn't know how to describe myself. Um, and but you know, I, it was I, very interesting because first, sorry to interrupt you, but first you took a time frame. You took one year. Yeah. And you were okay with that. I think this is really important to really take one time frame and to give yeah. a try. Maybe sometimes can be a few months, maybe sometimes can yeah. be a year. And then I really love that you you mentioned it um, in on your website as well, you being curious and mm-hmm. learning as much as possible. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, you know, I think that... Um, the the putting a putting a time stamp on this unknown period cre- makes it a little safer you're giving yourself a little bit more of a box mm-hmm. uh, exactly. to to work within um and while i could no longer put a traditional co- career label on myself what i what i did do very early on in this process was identify, you know, while I can't say I'm a senior strategist at Fuse Project anymore, 
I could say my superpowers are storytelling, connecting people, being resourceful, and I have this insatiable appetite for learning. And those are the things that grounded my exploration. Um, But how was it for you at the beginning of this journey? Because, you know, sometimes, like you mentioned before, you are already someone for working for a big agency. And from mm -hmm. one day to another, yes, you have a lot of, um, um, let's say, energy to start something new. But on the other side, you somehow don't know who you are. You are not related with a job anymore. You kind of start from, from the scratch in a way. Who am I? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, something that I realized was, um, and, and Karina, this is a lot of the work that I, I, I do today, but I realized that, you know, you just asked, who am I? And I believe that I am is the most powerful phrase in the world because what comes after it will shape your entire reality. So when you say, I am confident, well, you're confident. When you say, I am a CEO, well, that, that, that in and of itself creates an image of something and people know how to respond to that and they're they're kind of cultured to respond to that in a certain way when you say i'm an entrepreneur well well there's a whole kind of image and story in 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 and of itself there and so something that i always advise um people to do now is to really pay attention to the words that you use to talk about yourself because they shape your reality. And so I very early on freed myself of putting a traditional career label on myself and instead truly started to get to know who I was um, in terms of what my, what I call superpowers are. Um, and And for the first time, I started to connect to myself outside of my job. And it took me, you know, six, six or so months of being without title to find new ways to describe myself and to get to know myself. And, um, and, and now I just have this much deeper understanding of of who I am and what's possible for me. And it's a, it's, I'm no longer putting myself in kind of one, one singular box. Um, if that makes sense. But I, you know, I think we, we put ourselves in a box that is our story and we have so many facets of ourselves that we haven't been in touch with. And it's all the time changing. Who am I at the end of the day? Yeah. It's great to really go deep into this discussion but what i am today i'm i will not be tomorrow it's like an entire journey that we are developing every day yes yes that's exactly right you know i think that um i remember you and i were were talking about this recently but i think that you know up up until some point in our lives we all think that um 
there's this island where it's all going to work out. We're like, we're thinking, well, you know, when, when I get this promotion, then I'll be happy. Or when I, you know, when I buy the house, then I'll be happy. Or, or when I sell my company and I, that, then I'll be happy. There, there's no, there's no island where everything, like there's, there's no, there's no island in the sun where everything works out. Um, and it, when we live our lives thinking about the, the whens and the what ifs and the future, then we can't actually be kind of present in the moment, which is what life is is all about. And so something that I, I learned, um, because it is quite scary to leave your job and have no income and not, not know really, you know, a month from now, um, am I going to need to go find a full-time job because I, this was, this was a bad decision. But you um, tried and at least you know how, how it is to do that. And I str strongly believe that all the time when you are going out of your comfort zone, cannot happen bad things and i know this is very being an european this is something that i really learned even much stronger when i when i was living in san francisco because this is you all the time have uh, this in encouragement you have to try like if you did a mistake wow that's amazing you learn out of it next time you yes. will do it better and this is yes. something that i really love um learning and all the time um, speak about it but I want to ask you, until now, tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about until now. Mm -hmm. So after six months, when you basically tried different things, you didn't know who you are, you were trying to figure out, you were working for different projects, until now, which is the name, I love the name, of, uh, of your project. Tell us a little bit more when was that moment when you actually shape um, the idea of until now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So, so I, as I mentioned, you know, spent a year or so experimenting, and I thought that at the end of that year I would be super clear about, you know, I've done, I've done all of this, these range, this range of projects and, and types of things, by the end of the year, I'm going to know exactly what I want. I want my business to be doing this one very specific thing. And I can put a label on myself again. And I, and you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be kind of solid and confirmed. And what occurred to me at the end of the year was that, um, there was no reason for me to stop exploring, <laughs> um, that I, I didn't have to do just one thing. And, so until now, I, I did, though, decide to kind of formally name my my business until now. And until now, the name, uh, it represents a pivotal moment where things were one way up until now. And now they're in an entirely different way. And until now, originally represented the moment I decided to leave my full time job. Um, but now until now represent, it is something that happens more and more and more often. Every time I do something counter to what I thought I was supposed to do or what I thought was expected of me until now, it's this pivotal moment where, 
we are we are all given these opportunities to do things differently and we can either choose to do them differently or we can fight against them and when we choose to do them differently and we move forward with vulnerability and curiosity really powerful amazing things happen and so until now is is my my business name and i i partner with individuals with teams and with organizations who are in these moments of transition and they have a decision to experiment and do things differently or go back to the way things have always been done before and i help them and coach them and support them in experimenting with new ways of thinking and doing and i know that you are coaching some impressive names i don't know if you can really give uh, names but definitely you are working with uh, big companies like rbmb and i mean you it's really impressive what you built in the last in the last many years thank you krena yes i um you know i work with 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 big names or not i will say that um everyone everyone you know talk talk about labels and job titles whether you're the founder ceo of a you know really well known um company or you're you're someone who maybe just graduated college and are starting your career we are all these human beings who who tell ourselves these stories about who we are and what's possible for us and we limit ourselves through the stories that we tell ourselves and i work with people whomever whomever they are in whatever role they're in to really identify you know what is the language you're using to talk about yourself and how can we shift that language slightly in a way that will allow you to do something different and to feel differently about yourself. Um, so how is it how is exactly working this? Like let's say that I'm a person that I want to even an individual an individual that I just gave up of uh, of my uh, recent job and I really try to reach my full potential. And I'm coming to you. What what are the steps that you are doing? Mhm mhm. Yes, it so so it it really varies from person to person, but one of the first things that we do, I always say, you know, I'm not a therapist. A therapist is a lot about like talking in the past and staying in the past and analyzing in the past. I'm a coach, and so we spend most of the time, you know, in the present moment and looking forward, but there is important work to do in looking back. And so we always start looking back, you know, talking through the course of your life and identifying what are the moments that made you who you are and what are the moments that you're hiding from the world or experience or what are the moments that you're shameful of um and how can we reorient those moments into stories that are essentially lessons um that that are your gift to to the world. So I remember um just just rec- just last week I was in conversation with a client and uh she moved here from um she moved here from Mexico at at a young age and 
really had trouble learning English. And so she doesn't, and, and she was just, you know, completely bullied in school because of this. And so when she shares her story and she has this amazing job, like a, a senior leadership job at a tech company, she never shares with people that she moved here from another country and that English is her second language because she was bullied. She was bullied when she was young. And the adversity that she's overcome to get to where she is was just so impressive to me. And I said, that is your story to share. Like the fact that you you moved here, you really struggled to learn the language. And, and now look at the success story that you are like, um, imagine what would happen if you shared this with, um, you know, young women who are going through a similar thing. And, you know, she just, she started crying. And she said to me, I never thought that I should be sharing something like this in the business context. And so we all have, you know, that's just a small example. No, but, but it's, all have... it's, it's so powerful. And I mm -hmm. think that we all can be there. We all have our, our vulnerabilities that we try to hide because we think yes. they, are, they are not the right stories to say. We do. We do. And I'll say, you know, for, for myself, um, I had, you know, as, as, as many many women and and some men do as well. I had an eating disorder that I hid from the world for many years. And um, it was only until I started talking about it that I overcame the eating disorder because I didn't, it, it, it didn't have to be the secret anymore. And I felt really supported by the world, by, by people who loved me when I started to share it. So the, there's a, I, I will say that that sharing your story, putting language to it is incredibly powerful. And then letting other people hear and respond to your story is, is, the, is the other half of it because we feel, we feel support and we feel seen. And I, you know, I think a lot of the work that I do is really helping people be seen in a way that they've never been seen before. Oh, this is so powerful. I mean, I had the same story. You know, I never thought mm -hmm. that I can share my story on Instagram or even speak about it. And here I am on a podcast sharing with my loved ones, people that they mm -hmm. really made the change in my life, uh, having this talk. So for me, I was, I am fully aligned with what you said. And yeah. I really hope yeah. that many of uh, our listeners will uh, will do this exercise. You know, mm -hmm. we had our discussion um a few weeks ago and um, I shared that story with um, when I did my teacher training yoga teacher training and it's one position actually the final position at yoga called mm. Shavasana and mm -hmm. each of uh, the positions each of the asanas be, uh, has behind the story as well and the story behind the last position is um, about uh, a king who has been poisoned and he had seven days more to live so he had to choose exactly what he will do in in this time frame and after we had this story the, the our our teacher were asking us so what what you will do if you will know that you have seven more days to live mm. how your life will change and mm. people around they were sharing oh, i want to go back to south africa where um, i feel like my home i was born there someone i want to just serve and i was really um, quite 
uh, nervous about this question. I was like, do we really need to wait for a doctor to tell us that we are close to die, that we are starting to really change and do things that we really love? And I give you now to share your story into that. Oh gosh, yes, Karina. I, I, and I loved hearing from you the 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 story of Shavasana. And having been a, a yogi for many years, that was really beautiful to hear. Um, yes, I, I will share that I um, about two and a half years ago started rapidly losing weight um, to to the tune of you know. 45 pounds in about three months. And so I, um, just for context, I was about 90 pounds. Um, and I was completely disoriented. I started getting bruises all over my body. Um, I started losing my vision in one eye. I started experiencing just numbness and, and tingling all over my body. And I, I started on this horrible, horrible journey that many people go on, which is going from doctor to doctor to doctor to try to figure out what was wrong. You know, going to gastroenterologists, having a, you know, abdominal MRI, going to um, a, a hematologist, oncologist because of my my bruising, um, going to a neurologist because they thought I had multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's. And I was, um, I was terrorized living in, in my body for about eight months because I had no idea what was wrong with me. And eight months was the whole mm -hmm. journey of just searching what is wrong with your health. Exactly. Wow. Yes. And um, I started, you know, I, I, I learned a lot when I left, um, when I left Buse Project and I, I decided to start exploring, but I will say that I, I still um, identified with and relied on my brain. <laughs> like I, I am a person who historically led life by thinking and by figuring things out and by admittedly overthinking everything. And I quite literally lost my ability to rely on my brain. Um, I, I lost my ability to read. I couldn't focus. I remember pay, paying a, an arm and a leg for um, a conference that I really wanted to go to. And I was sitting there listening to um, a speaker that I just admired so much and five minutes into to hearing him speak, you know, I was so fascinated by everything he was saying, but I couldn't focus. And I ran out of, of the, the hotel and I just started crying, um, because I couldn't focus, um, as much as I wanted to. And, um, I ended up, uh, being told by, a, a hematologist oncologist that um, I had a abnormal uh, protein in in my body, which is um, more often than not the sign of uh, a bone marrow cancer. And this was around this was around um, Christmas time two years ago. And I remember she said to me, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm really shocked um, that this is the case. Typically, this is something that we see in people who are in their 60s and 70s. And here I am in my, you know, mid 30s. And she said, we need to do a bone marrow biopsy immediately um, to confirm. And I just, I was, I was paralyzed. I was just paralyzed by this news. I remember thinking, well, this can't be it. This can't be, um, this, this can't be how my life is, is going to end. Um, in, in that moment, I, you know, I think you hear of people who have terminal cancer diagnoses and, and you often hear, you know, they give these inspiring TED talks and they write these books about how their view of life just completely changed. And I'll say that I had that experience. When I was sick, I vowed to live a different kind of life. Um, I, I, you know, I realized I hit rock bottom and I was broken. And previously I had numbed myself from feeling um, through food, as I shared, through staying busy through overthinking. And I couldn't actually do any of those things. My body was saying, no, um, you have to just be here in, in your body. Um, and so after years of being really numb to the world, I started to thaw. Um, and with it really came this ocean of emotion that I had never experienced before. Terror, shame, devastation, loneliness, but then on the other end of the spectrum, this like total elation and bliss and melting and deep, deep love. Um, I had this feeling that I was love, um, that I had never felt um, before. And I ended up having the, the bone marrow biopsy and um, it was a, a false, it was a false negative. And so I, I, um, I, you know, she called and she said, you know, this isn't cancerous. This is abnormal. It's something we need to keep investigating. But it was almost like I didn't hear her um, because I still didn't have an answer. So I'm just thinking, yeah. Yeah. But how long was the moment when the doctor said that you may have cancer until you get a result? It was over a month. That's terrible because I had, was, I had a similar situation for a few days and yeah. you can just no. get sick just in this time frame, even yeah. though it's uh, maybe, uh, in, as it was in your case, not, not be cancer, but still during that time. It's right. It's yes, Rina, you know, I'll say that, um, something that happened for me. So it, it was because it was around Christmas time. And so the, the turnaround time to schedule things and then get the results back. I mean, it was just the worst, it was just the worst time. Um, but something that actually happened, happened during that month period was I got tinnitus, which is a ringing in your ears that doesn't go away. And it can come from an overactive vagus nerve. And um, it, I agree with you entirely that you know, talk about the language that we use, right? I was, I was no different <laughs> five minutes before the doctor said, you need to have a bone marrow biopsy. But the second she said it, well, I was horribly sick. Um, and, you know, something that I've learned just through that journey is that 
we're never sick. We're never healthy. Everything is in the gray. Um, we live life in the gray, but we put labels on everything. And so language really does shape our experience. Um, and while I still didn't have an answer, um, and, and I do have an answer now, which I would be happy to share, but while I didn't, while I didn't know what was causing my symptoms, um, I did start to change how I was talking about my experience. So when people would ask me how I was previously, I would say like, I'm scared, I'm sick, here are all my symptoms. I just, you know, I just, my anxiety would just increase just talking about it. And then people would respond and they'd say, oh, this is horrible. I should introduce you to X, Y, and Z doctor. And it's like they were feet, they were perpetuating this cycle for me, um, which I initiated. The second I started to say, I still don't know what's wrong, but I'm healing. I started healing. People would look at me with like bright eyes and they would give me hugs and they would say, this is amazing news. And it, those hugs made me feel better. And I started getting better. It, it, it was just, it was, it was pretty magical. And so I started experimenting with just like, what would it look like for me to just tell myself that I'm okay and I'm gonna be okay. And I started telling myself, I'm going to be okay. I still tell myself that every day because while I, while I did get a quote unquote diagnosis, there are still some things that are unexplained. Um, I ended up being diagnosed with mycotoxin illness, which is um, mycotoxins are the toxins that come from mold. And so I, uh, living in San Francisco, was exposed to uh, mold, which was not visible. Um, and so just a, a fair warning to, to all of your listeners, um, you know, old, old buildings have pipes that burst and you would never know unless you tested for mold. Um, and I just happen to have an immune system that is particularly sensitive to mold and uh, mold affects affects people differently. Some people, it, it can look like just really bad allergy symptoms. Other people, it affects them neurologically like it did uh, for me. And so I was just experiencing a, a really horrible, um, horrible reaction to mold. And I also found, I ha found out I had Lyme disease and this, you know, whole host of, of things that was just really weakening my immune system. And it was the most traumatic experience of my life, but I would not change it for the world because it taught me again, like I just keep, I'm like a broken record here, but the language that we use to talk to ourselves matters so much. Uh, and we have the power to change our reality um, by, by simply changing our stories. And I really love that during that very difficult moment um, two years ago, you receive a, a gift from your dad in December that it yes. was uh, really powerful. Can you tell us what is it? I did. I did. Um, yeah. So, so my dad and I, um, growing up in, you know, an alcoholic household with my mom, my dad's kind of coping mechanism was to distance himself um, and and really create 
boundaries and walls and admittedly he distanced himself from me um and he and I didn't have a close relationship until I got sick until I for the first time in my life really needed him to be my dad <laughs> um I never needed I never thought I needed a dad but I did and uh he was so there for me and um you know I I get I got really really touched just thinking about how much he was there for me and how I felt his his love and um he sent me he and his partner actually who has just become like a second mom to me uh he and his partner sent me a beautiful framed picture that says trust in the universe and this was uh when I was at the sickest of sick so around christmas uh, during the time i was describing and uh i finally hung it up on my wall actually i remember like the first day of lockdown um due to coronavirus and i remember thinking um you know i was still sick at that time and i remember thinking i need to trust in the universe because that was like a double double whammy being sick and being even more alone and uh i still you know to this day i actually moved it and it's next to my bed and it's just such a um a meaningful um message to trust trust in the universe this is so powerful and i'm really using this uh i have it i have it with me all the time so mm. how you are feeling now tell us a little bit more about your healing journey from the moment that you knew exactly what is wrong uh with your health and mm-hmm. until this moment sure sure so you know of course when you get a diagnosis you have a quote unquote label on it and you can start a treatment plan which i did um and you know i'll say i will say treatment for mold exposure is quite intense and for anyone who thinks that it might be something they're dealing with i would highly encourage seeing a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor because western our western medical system is great for many reasons but they don't recognize mold as a as a problem um, can you explain what is a naturopath because i know that in san francisco in in us is quite uh, familiar this term but can you explain us a little bit from with your terms what is a naturopath Sure and I'll say this is in my terms because I don't Yeah 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 I, I know you're not a specialist how, but Yeah I don't I don't know how they would um explain what they yeah, do though. but Yeah so so I really view my view of you know how my experience with a a, a naturopath is different than a, a more traditional medical doctor is while a medical doctor looks to identify I can label something and I can I can diagnose you with a very specific thing and I'm going to look at at individual parts of your body and assess individual parts of bodies and they just have this very clear like talk about language and labels there that's what they're about. A naturopath looks at your whole system and they know what an optimal body system um not a normal but an optimal body um is 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 like and their goal is to help you be as optimal as possible and identify anything within the system 
that it could be contributing to suboptimal function. And so a lot of what they happen to look at are toxins specifically. So toxins from molds or heavy metals um, or, um, you know, parasites or bacteria, you know, lime and, and things like that. And they use a, I think what's amazing is they use a mix of traditional pharmaceuticals and then also natural remedies. And so they don't have a quote unquote way that they do things. They truly treat the patient and treat how the patient is feeling. And um, the, the emotional component of the patient is just as important as the physical component. So we talk a lot about trauma. We talk a lot about feelings. We talk a lot about emotions and, and everything's interconnected. So um, yes, we're working with a, a naturopath was, was, has been wonderful. Um, and I will never go back. I will say to, to, to working with a traditional doctor. Um, and what I'll say from my healing experience is that our bodies want to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we, we, have, we have this power. We have, we have yes. this power. Yes. And, and sometimes the best thing that you can do is try is stop trying to fix them and instead give them the space and relax energy to heal. Um, and I'll also say that something I learned from experience is, especially when you're diagnosed with something, well, I would say that this might, this is definitely true. Say there are so many people that are diagnosed with cancer, right? And there are so many types of treatments that you can have and you can get conflicting information. It's like, well, what's the right decision? Well, I don't think it matters what you do as much as the fact that you believe that what you're doing is the right thing to do. Because once you tell yourself, this is the thing that is going to heal me, your body's going to start to relax and your energy and your positivity is, I, I believe, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I believe what, and that's what healed me was, was, was my belief and my trust in the universe. What other things change into your life besides that, Lizzie? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything um everything i think um i you know last year the the year that i was sick it was the most uncomfortable year of my life and all i wanted to do was run in the other direction and what i learned is that i just had to get really curious about it i had to get really curious about what are these feelings i'm having let myself feel them and don't run away from your feelings don't run away from things once you once you once you sit with them and once you feel them, they start to melt and you realize that like, they're not you um, and, and you are still here. Um, and I'll, I'll say that, that one of the, the biggest things that I learned at, at, because I was forced to was that um, we're not meant to be in this world alone. Uh, I, because of how I grew up, I, uh, I always thought I'm independent. I'm strong. I don't need anyone. I'm, I can always, you know, get what I want. And I didn't think I needed, I didn't, I didn't think I needed anyone else, um, in my life. And 
getting sick taught me that um, we can't do it alone. We were never meant to. And um, I have just completely reoriented myself towards um, towards being supported and, and what that means. And I now recognize that letting myself be supported by other people is what is what life is all about um and not only are people here to support us and i'm here to support them but there's something bigger here supporting all of us and so i hate to keep repeating just this trust in the universe but i just i you know i don't i still don't know just thinking about you know going back to the beginning of, of how we started talking like what what am i what am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? I still don't know what I'm going to be doing a month from now. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling a month from now. And I am so excited about that. And it's okay. <laughs> exactly. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Um, I just think, gosh, so a year ago today, right? We were all, we all started going into lockdown. Right. Look how much has changed a, a year later. Just, just think a year from now, like, what are we, who are we going to be in, in a year? Who will be, who will we be with? What will be possible? Um, I just have such enthusiasm and excitement and also a little bit of fear about, about <laughs> all of it. And I, and I think that the truth is that like all these multitudes of things are, are true. And that's, that's exciting to me. Absolutely. Lizzie, tell us where we can, where my listeners can reach you. Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, so, so my website is uh, untilnow.co with no M. Um, I am a small business, so I didn't get the .com. <laughs> so until now, <laughs> untilnow.co. And uh, you can, you can find me there and uh, just read a little bit more about my story coaching practice. And then I also work with, um, as I mentioned, leaders and startups and organizations on uh, leadership development and 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 really experimenting with new ways of working that will lead to more fulfilling work and life. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear from anyone. I will uh, make sure to link uh, all these informations as well. And my last question is, I know that we were mentioned this a few times, but how do you encourage others to unstuck? How do I encourage others to get unstuck? Mm, yeah. So there are so many ways, but I think what's occurring to me in this moment would be a, a simple practice you could try is write down, just, you know, stream of consciousness, write down some beliefs that you have about yourself and your situation that are that have you stuck so you know maybe you're you own a own a business and you're thinking well there's not a market for what i do anymore or we don't have the talent for that or we don't have enough money or whatever it is and then examine each of those beliefs that you have and really ask yourself is this true what if the opposite were true can you write a statement that is the opposite and live into that kind of opposite statement for a week and see what happens. And don't just don't just think it to yourself, but say it out loud and say it to other people. And I 
can nearly guarantee you that you will get unstuck or maybe you won't get unstuck in the way that you were thinking you would get unstuck, but you will, you will move forward and things will start to unfold for you. Uh, we, we really, we all have these limiting beliefs about ourselves and there is so much power in simply shifting the narrative. Thank you so much, Lizzie. Thank you so much for uh, sharing all this beautiful experience and for your vulnerability. Thank you, Karina. It was wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much, dear Lizzie, for your time, for your learnings, and for this beautiful vulnerability that you share your experience. I really wish you all the best to all your projects, and I can't wait to hear more soon. Regarding you, my dear friend, the one that you are listening now, let's follow Lizzie's advice and Let's work on how to get unstuck. For more inspiring interviews, head it over on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, or wherever you are listening now. I have more surprises coming soon. If you like today's show, please share it with your friends, family, or community. I'm Krina, and you've been listening to the podcast How Can I Heal with Krina Okumos.